0: Hi, I'm Nigel Campbell, editor of Jazz in the Islands magazine, with another episode of Island Jazz Chat, a podcast featuring conversations with Caribbean jazz and pan-jazz musicians based in the islands and the diaspora. Good night, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Island Jazz Chat. Tonight, I have the pleasure of speaking to Dominica, born and virgin island-raised jazz trombonist. Reginald Sinchi, now based in Washington DC. How are you doing, Reginald? I'm
1: well. I'm well. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, this has been a long time coming. COVID nineteen has forced everybody to come out of hibernation, <laughs> believe it or not, because this this podcast had been slightly dormant. But I said, let's get back on the on the wagon as it was. And of course, Reginald, you have a new record out called Healing, which I believe is yes, a, that's correct, a duet album between piano and trombone. So let's mm-hmm. start there. Tell me about the genesis of that project and then we'll go over some of your history as it was.
1: Sure. So um last year I composed um a series of new compositions titled Healing. And they're all like concepts and you know, based on healing, like communication and forgiveness, mm-hmm. acceptance, and just these different, you know, uh theories that you go into that I think go into the healing process. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of based on like, you know, trauma, interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. um, And I was thinking along those lines and, uh, we were planning to record the album in March of this year Mm -hmm. and then COVID happened. So Mm -hmm. then we would like postpone the recording session. And so then when COVID happened, that put the the music, uh, um, add a new meaning to the music because during the COVID time as a teacher, as a professor, and also as a, a high school instructor, um, I saw how the, 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 the pandemic was affecting my students. And so one of the things I had to tell the students about how they can use music for healing. Um, I found my telling high school students about that and college students about that. And then also the idea of how they can process all the stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so we're going through the, like just dealing with all the issues, um, you know, that we all deal with with COVID. Then I went into the studio and recorded the album back in September. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So that's kind of like all the meaning, all of the, the history, and you know the intention behind the music. Was
0: it always your plan to do a, a duet album? Because it just it seems as just your trombone and piano. Is that was that always a concept going forward? Going in? Yes, because
1: mm-hmm. the the idea, like you know, like in 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 a conversation, in an interpersonal relationship, whether you talk, a, you know, a parent and a child, or mm-hmm. in a romantic relationship or a friendship, it's mm-hmm. always usually one on one. You know, gotcha. it's usually like two, you know, there's there's these individuals talking and the healing process is usually like this very naked uh pro, you know, thing that you go through. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily like in a large ensemble, you're not mm-hmm. in a large group or even a quartet or a quintet. It's usually like either by yourself or you on somebody else. Mm-hmm. That if you're discussing health issues, you're discussing those health issues with your doctor. So mm-hmm. I was trying to find a way to capture the the that 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 feeling of being like really exposed as you're going through the healing process. And so I figured that would be like a duet format. Mm-hmm. It'd be perfect.
0: Yeah, well, I've I've heard that jazz is sometimes described as a conversation with me, among musicians on a bandstand. And I guess this mm-hmm. is the ultimate conversation, ultimate intimate conversation. And I thank mm-hmm. you for that because there's a lot of music out there and a lot of loud music out there, but every now and then it's always good to come back and get mm-hmm. something quiet as it was right mm-hmm. so Reginald, i mean for our listeners here and um, this is a podcast so we're on all the platforms but critically a large pool of listeners of this thing called caribbean jazz here in the english weekend caribbean we know the put you know the ones who exist up in st lucia jamaica Barbados, central island tobago but you sir mm-hmm. are from the virgin islands or oh, was raised yeah. in the virgin islands <laughs> let's get, let's start yes. at the beginning tell me your history start mm-hmm. at birth and coming forward how did you get to the virgin islands
1: from sure, dominica um- so my parents met in Saint, on the island of Saint Thomas. You know, my okay. father's from the British Virgin Islands mm-hmm. uh, uh, via Curacao. My grand my grandfather's from Curacao. Um, so, he gotcha. from, yes, yes. so he came from yes yes he came from Curacao mm. to the Virgin Islands. And uh, my father grew up in the British Virgin Islands and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Mm. And my mom, her family came from Dominica. Mm. And so they met. My father and my mom met on um, island of Saint Thomas. And then my mom needed to go back to Dominica to help some. Uh, take care of some family business because she's been she was really instrumental in for family who wanted to come to St. Thomas helping them her older brothers her younger sisters etc. Getting everybody you know who wanted to come to St. Thomas so she was like even though she's the middle child she mm-hmm. brought a lot of family um, to the VI yeah. and so she went back to Dominica to help them and while she was there she gave birth to me oh. so I was born on the island Dominica mm-hmm. um, uh, and then. What?
0: You grew up in, Virginia, in St. Thomas?
1: Grew up in St. Thomas. Mm. And so, you know, I grew up here in Patois and, and and, and um, you know, my grandmother and my mom and my aunts and uncles speaking Patois I'm trying to pick mm. up on words here and there. Mm. My mom didn't really teach me all the words. I just knew, you know, a few phrases, <laughs> especially when she got upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I grew up, you know, it was like hearing Zook music, hearing, mm-hmm. you know, Quilby music from from um, the Virgin Islands and just hearing this mixture of music growing up and this mixture of languages. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my, when I was young, younger, my father kind of, um, he introduced me to the piano, not like mm-hmm. the piano lesson. He was like, here's this electric piano. Here's mm-hmm. a couple of those, you know, one finger songs you could play on the piano. Check yes. it out. And yes. I was curious about, I was like, oh, this is nice. I like this. It's, you know, I'll mm-hmm. play a little lean on me and little songs that I could pick out on the piano with one finger. Mm-hmm. And then in the fifth grade, um, I was in fifth grade at the time in elementary school and I, I saw this older kid demonstrating a trombone and I was like, man, that's, that instrument looks interesting. What's that? And then, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know the name of it. I just remember seeing it in Calypso bands, et cetera, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know the name of the instrument. And so then um, eventually I, um, I graduated from, uh, well, you know, promoted from um, elementary school. And because we lived on a different side of the Island, Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, well, you can't go to this next this middle school. You have to go to middle school um, um, in the countryside of the island.
2: Okay.
1: And um, the summer after sixth grade, I, um, my, my cousin started, was, started playing trombone. So he was like, hey, man, look, I started playing trombone. Mm-hmm. And then my friend in my neighborhood, uh, one of my, my best friends, childhood friends, mm-hmm. he played trombone and mm-hmm. he was showing me the songs that he was learning in elementary school. And his older brother played trombone and imagination brass, which is like this, the, at the time was really, this really popular calypso mm-hmm. band. Yes. And so I was seeing the instrument everywhere, everywhere, everywhere I turned. I was like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the instrument was there. And then after that, um, I went to seventh grade. So I was in middle school now and I saw on my schedule, it was banned in my schedule. So mm-hmm. I got there and we had these listening days and music theory, etc. And then it was time to pick the instruments. So like the girls went towards flutes and clarinet. Uh the boys went towards trumpet and saxophone and drums and I decided to pick the trombone for two reasons. One, because I kept seeing the instrument. And then two, um, because I you know, I wanted that's, to be different. You want to be different? <laughs> so, yeah, I wanted to be different. I didn't want I to be you. like the other kids picking the yeah. instrument that they were picking. So that's mm-hmm. how that's how it's all started. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, as
0: as a young kid, a trombone seems like a very large instrument. Was that ever daunting towards you or that was just because it's there, no. you want it?
1: Because, mm. yeah, it was, once, I, once I, it was like, I saw the instrument, I was like, I was curious about it. And once that curiosity took hold,
0: mm.
1: you know, that, that was, was it. it for me. That I, was hear it. You.
0: Yeah. I hear you. You said um, Kuelbe music. Now, again, Kuelbe music, I know, is native to the Virgin Islands. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie to you. The first time I heard about it was speaking to Dion Parson and, and Victor Provost and his guys. Because, mm-hmm. I, of course, I know Bouyon. You're born in Dominica. You may have obviously know Bouyon, so we know Calypso, reggae, beats, mm-hmm. and thing. But Calbe doesn't have as much documentation. Certainly not for us here. Do you? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about Calbe music in terms of rhythms sure. and in terms of how so, it
1: works? So, like the the thing, the way, the best way I like to talk about Kuerbe music is that we all throughout the Caribbean we share a similar history, right? Correct. So we share this class of cultures coming together, and mm-hmm. then of uh, music kind of coming. Out of their clash of cultures, mm-hmm. so before it was Kwaku, music was known as Bambula music after the the Bambula king, wow. and so the you know the, the 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 enslaved Africans were playing their music. You know mm-hmm. they didn't take away. They, you tried to, but they didn't really take away the drums. It, it, in it The Caribbean, work. yeah,
0: the drums yeah, so evolved. They, yeah. You
1: know, yeah, so it was similar culture, similar trees, etc. So they they made some of the instruments that they couldn't travel with on mm-hmm. on you know on the um, the forced cruise ship. Across the ocean, yeah, right. Gotcha. So, you know, so they, they so they, they, only had this music that 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 sounded a lot like West African music. Mm-hmm. But what eventually happened is that when you had like the quadrille mixing in, which is kind of like a French dance mixing mm-hmm. in with this 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 African music, mm-hmm. then they settled on the name Quilbe. You know, for you know political or whatever reasons, they didn't want to mm-hmm. call it Bamboola music. The a little be, but it's similar to what happened in, in 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 Jamaica with mental music before it was mm-hmm. reggae and yes. ska, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's a similar thing, you know. And mm-hmm. and when you listen to the music, as you, know, you can hear the connection between you know the, the different cultures. For me, it's just it's just part of our our legacy of of coming, you know, from one part of the world and bringing our music, and then the, these different cultures mixing together, mm-hmm. and you know. We all have different names for a very similar experience.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. So after high school, I mean, you became you. Did you? When did you go to the United States?
1: So I first uh, went to the United States. I was still in high school. I went to this camp in um in Michigan, known as Interlochen. Yeah. And I went there to study European art, music, and mm-hmm. I was there playing there in the camp and playing with the you know the the symphonic band and the mm. orchestra, etc. And then at the same time. I was really getting into jazz. Like, I was like, man, I really like this, this, this music because mm-hmm. there were some, you know, students in the Virgin Islands as, as well as elders that were playing the music. And mm-hmm. I was like, I need to, I want to learn how to play this music. Mm-hmm. So while I interlocking was like, you know, my first official trip to the United States. Mm-hmm. And then after returning from interlocking, I started a jazz combo with some classmates of mine at my high school. We didn't have a jazz combo, mm-hmm. but we had some students that wanted to play the music. So we we even you know, when we approached one of the teachers, like, hey man, we need to have a jazz combo, and so yeah. we started a jazz combo and started performing. And then I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. And it's funny, my private instructor at the time was like, um, yeah, I want you to uh, play some European art music, and I was like, I'm hearing this jazz music. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the thing about and the thing about this jazz music thing, it was very close to cultural heritage because in queer mm-hmm. music, there was always this element of improvisation. Yes. You hear the flute player play the melody, and after that, they will start like mm-hmm. doing some stuff all based off the melody, and they will be improvising.
2: Mm-hmm. And I really
1: like that part, like you know, but like many of all like uh, folk songs, like the the Christmas songs and the mm-hmm. the Queen Marys and the other songs that deal with the, the cultural heritage and the history of the of of um, the Virgin Islands. They have these? That they, they, there was elements of improvisation in the music, yes. and that was like one of my favorite part. Listening, I was like, yeah, I like when the Mm-hmm. You know, when they started going to the thing and I was like, okay, that's a good vibe. So then I was like, I was like, oh man, I really want to learn how to do that. Mm. And so when I, once I returned from interlock, and I, my father started taking me out to different um, jazz clubs where I could go sitting with the elders and they would give me advice about what to play. And I was playing the music more and more. So when it was time to go to college, I was like, man, where am I going to go? And I said, Berkeley. There you go. <laughs> you know, there you go. Where else? There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what happened. I left St. Uh, yeah. Thomas in, you know, for Berkeley and it was like extremes. I could well imagine. Um,
0: but critically, yeah. you mentioned that you did some apprenticeship with some elders, as you said, in the music scene in mm-hmm. Virgin Islands. That's, that is so important, I think, for every musician go, get growing up there. Cause so you, so yeah, you worked in, when I say worked, you performed with your little high school band. You did apprenticeship mm-hmm. with the musicians in, in St. Thomas. And then Berkeley called. Well, not Berkeley called. You said, okay, Berkeley, here I come. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming you just got in right away almost. It's just applied and you were in effectively. Yeah, was,
1: yeah I applied it. Yeah. But, you know, the, even before that, I mean, what I, like most of my lessons, even, you know, you have the formal lessons, you have the you know the, the degrees, mm-hmm. et cetera. But by most of my lessons always came from, like, the community, you know. Mm-hmm. When I was in A grade, I well, before A grade, summer of A grade, middle school, Mm-hmm. I met my private instructor mm-hmm. at this summer band program. And mm-hmm. he he was like, oh, you seem serious. So he approached my parents. He was like, um, your son seems serious about music. Here's mm-hmm. the deal. If he shows up to the lessons prepared, you all don't have to pay any money. Wow. My parents never paid any money for lessons. Scottish the whole time Europe. I studied.
0: Wow. Excellent. You know?
1: So Yeah. yeah so I, I studied with him for years and I came prepared. Then while I was in high school, I played with a university ensemble. Mm. And then the elders in the ensemble as well. And then elders in the community would be like, Yeah, you need to do this, you need to do that, you know. Mm. Um, and you know, let me sit in with their bands, you know. Um and these one were, they weren't official jam sessions. They were just, you know, hey, come on stage. I'm this on stage, is what yeah. you do. Yeah. That's important. Um and it's and then when I went, you know, when I went to Boston, majority of my lessons came outside of school. When I went to New York, most majority of my lessons were from the streets. You know, playing with yeah. musicians, just the, the 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 love and the kindness of the community sharing information.
0: I got you. So you just described a little journey there in America from Boston to New York and I'm assuming now to Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. That pathway there, did you for the education or were you just performing woodshedding, practicing, learning?
1: So it, it was like for me it wasn't a straight path. Like I went to I went to Boston. I went to Berkeley College of Music and I was there for about two years. Mm-hmm. Um and then I left Boston and I did some performing. Um, then I went back to St. Thomas briefly. Mm-hmm. Then after that I came, I went to New York mm-hmm. briefly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I think after that I moved to the DC area.
0: Mm-hmm. Why DC, uh, if you don't mind asking.
1: So Why? I visited the D C area back well, the first time I visited D C was mm-hmm. when my high school or well, the joint high schools came to Washington to play mm-hmm. for clinton's inauguration
0: okay and
1: i liked the vibe in dc i was like man this is nice this is you mm-hmm. know that's a good vibe i lived and there so for five I, years like, yeah hey well, <laughs> yeah. you know the vibe
0: yeah yeah <laughs> you know, i lived there from, the, from 2000 to 2005 i was living there
1: <laughs> it's similar it's so similar to home because i grew up mm-hmm. in a culture where you know it wasn't based on race mm-hmm. where you your, your your political your economic Etc. Mm. power that you could have in society. Mm. And in Washington, D.C., I saw a lot of African-Americans or just black folks in general mm. in ver- different various walks of life. You know, Quite true. Quite in New true. York City, it was different. Boston, mm. it was different. But in Washington, D.C., it was like, oh. Mm. You know, and then there's a pan-African society here. And mm. they have, you know, you have the Vudum, you have the Akan, you have all mm. these different groups of people. It was just like, a, like, oh, this is, I like this. It reminds me so much of home with the mm. exception of the weather, of course.
0: Yeah, I was not going to mention that to you. Mm. <laughs> I'm, not a fan, I'm not a fan of snow. And I oh, went to man. university I, in Canada. Big mistake, but then again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. allergic to the cold. I hear you. But I, I, I did a couple of years at Berkeley. Then I, you know, I, I did some playing for a while. And I was like, I was skeptical about going back to school. I was like, man, why do mm-hmm. I need to go back to school? I'm just trying to play music. Mm-hmm. But then something happened. I was like, you know what? What if, what if I want to do other things in addition to music? I don't want to be in a situation where somebody asks me for the paper and I don't have it. Mm-hmm. So then I decided I'll go back to school and I went to, and did some time at, at Howard University. Then I finished up my degree at um, University of District Columbia.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I got my master's at um, University of Maryland. Oh. And then, yeah, but before that, I was like in Boston, in D.C., mm-hmm. in New York, playing with, you know, different casts. I was in J- Illinois' Jakesh Band for a while and other groups mm-hmm. just working. That's why I met some of my colleagues like Sean Jones and, um, you know, many other cats, you know, playing with, you know, um, in the New York City area. I got you. But yeah.
0: So you're a working musician as well as, well, as a a student at tertiary level, but you are working with it because I've always heard these stories of people who enter Berkeley, do a like a year or two and then leave and Mm -hmm. develop these brilliant careers because like Berkeley is a place where musicians come together where you can Mm -hmm. actually be among a, a, a cohort of people who talk the same language as you and you develop your skill. But then the, the real thing is go out there in the marketplace and work and work and work. And, work, and you seem to have done that well. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, after all of this, you started your recording career. What year did you do your first record?
1: Um, well, I started recording with like, again, apprenticing with folks who was important for me. So I started mm-hmm. recording with other musicians first. Yeah, um, so as a side man. Since, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, as a side man since high school, Mm-hmm. I think I did my first recording with, I forgot the name of the band. Mm-hmm. I think it was a Calypso band when mm-hmm. I was in high school. And then after that, you know, eventually got into doing jazz recordings and, you know, recording with different musicians. Mm-hmm. And then I did my first recording when I was 35. So after playing with all these different musicians and working, mm-hmm. I did my first recording in 2011 at the age of 35.
0: Wow. Well, it took your time. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's, yeah. also, that's also important because on that first album, if I remember clearly, you composed all the music. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think critical to my to my appreciation of, of this Caribbean jazz thing is the idea of comp- composition. You've done the work at Berkeley and all the universities, so I know you can play the trombone. So that's never in question. The big challenge, of course, is how do we compose the music that describes us, Caribbean people, mm-hmm you have, I'm I'm also going to mention this publicly. The first time I heard you speak was on that um, streaming thing they had, I think it was for DC Jazz Festival. Mm-hmm. And I heard your accent and I said, oh my God, he's a Caribbean man <laughs> because I, I swear <laughs> to God, I thought you were living mm-hmm. in America for many years and you just had the American accent. Yourself and a, another Virgin mm-hmm. Islander have the accent that always kills me dead. But um so as I said, you represent the ideal Caribbean person, certainly the ideal Caribbean jazz musician out there in the marketplace starting the music. So your first mm-hmm. record was in 2011 and since then you've recorded six albums. Let's go through each album. So your first album, if I remember, it's called Freedom.
1: Yeah, Freedom's Children a Celebration. <laughs> So, that, cool, concept and that thing. so like um, growing up, I, I became interested in, in, in activism right away. Yes. Um, I saw how the idea of, of of somebody saying there's a problem and putting in the time and the work to create a solution, mm-hmm. how effective that was. Like, you know, even with hearing Queen Mary as a child mm-hmm. and singing the, the lyrics as a child and like, oh, this is like our nursery rhyme. And then mm-hmm. later on, learning a story about these these powerful women who led a labor movement against these 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 uh, oppressors, mm-hmm. right? And it was like, oh, we're singing about this stuff, and now we go around saying "fire burn you, fire burn you," and not realizing the history behind what I, mm-hmm. what our war came from. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, you know. And then it was a, like a real. It was like it wasn't. It wasn't a big lesson, but it was an interesting lesson. I when I got into high school. Mm-hmm. I went to a newer high school on the island. Yes. But because it was newer, for some reason, they didn't receive the same resources at their more established public high school. Uh-huh. Right. So this newer high school was kind of constructed for a, a certain uh, sector of the population. Mm-hmm. And they didn't necessarily foresee like all of these students going to this high school. Yeah. So we have what's known as a cafe gymtorium, Right. And Say this Cafe Gym Torian. Cafe, cafe. Gym you're right. here, cafeteria, gymnasium, mm. auditorium, all put together.
0: Got you. And, right. so,
1: and our band room was terrible, right? We had a mm-hmm. terrible band room with limited resources. And I was like, man, this is, this is crazy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So every year since our school was built in 1976, folks protested and asked for equal resources, mm-hmm. the same type of books, the same type of classrooms, the same type of resources as the other high school. So every single student body came in there, recognized the problem and marched the government, government hill and spoke out about this injustice. Mm-hmm. So when I came to high school, I became aware of this as well. And mm-hmm. so we spoke out against this, in, this, this, this issue. And so every time we spoke, the, it moved forward a little bit until after I graduated from high school, my sisters received the, mm-hmm. uh, the um, gymnasium and better mm-hmm. classrooms and et cetera. So, the lesson was sometimes when you are an activist, it doesn't happen right away, but it might happen over time, right? So the other thing that sparked the music on this, on the um, the first album, was the idea of uh, some of us social justice issues. So, like in the case in the case of drugs and crime, and mm-hmm. you know what happened with the Mexican cartels and how drugs and guns are going through the Caribbean islands. Right, yeah, we have we have a problem in that. So, like instantly, I saw like a change from where the, how the island was growing up to when I visited the island later on as an mm-hmm. adult. Mm-hmm. And then I saw like, you know, kids, you know, now with guns and and seeing that this is their way of, 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 of you know, earning a living mm-hmm. and how, you know, this exchange was creating problems in little, small little Caribbean islands. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is problematic. Right. And so I was thinking about that and thinking about, you know, nepotism and I was thinking about, you know, some of the things where there can only be one, um, when you say, and, and in a sense of what there can be only one, is that sometimes there's an issue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And because people get comfortable with that person on island, yes. that can that's the usual go-to person. They mm-hmm. don't necessarily see the diversity and availability of people that's, a, that, that's on island that can actually help fix the issue. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, we know this person. That's the person for that. That's the person we'll go to. And then it just helps make the issue, you know, make it worse. And so I was like, okay, um, how do I address some of these things? So I started thinking about, you know, I was thinking about that stuff when I was composing the music. And So the idea is, you know, I was processing all the different issues that I experienced as a child, growing up as an adult, living in the Washington, D.C. area, being a a, a, a black man in this country. Mm -hmm. And that's where the music came from. You know, so that's where you have Queen Mary. That's where you have... Mm -hmm. Sankofa and there, that's where you have peace mm. and love, etc. So that was the first album, mm. um, Freedom's Children is Celebration, and the title came from this book called Freedom's Children. It's like one that's title, is Freedom's Children. And this one is called Lest We Forget, and mm-hmm. in the book you have like all of these uh, documentation of 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 you know the journey of Africans from the 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 continent of Africa mm-hmm. in the west, especially the, in the west, into the, to the Americas
0: yeah. as it was, yeah. yeah. I had, um well, for those who know, who those who don't know, I write some reviews for a magazine and I had reviewed a couple of your albums. I didn't review that one, but there was something that I gathered looking at that kind of connectedness in your albums in terms of what I call the intelligent engagement in terms of your music and the ideas that go into the creation of your albums. Of course, the artwork is very similar going all the way through. Um So I recognize that you put a lot of thought, certainly, into instrumental music these aren't songs at words you could a lyricist could make could explain what you just said there in terms of your 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 ideas going into the composition but musically it was different and it it showed its way as i said going all the way through your music here in terms of that connection that you had back to your origins with Calypso music and kelbe music from back home, did that enter into the music in that first album, the Freedom Sharon album, in terms of yes, yes, influences?
1: The, mm-hmm. Yes, I mean uh, definitely. So, so, what happens with some some of us when we come, we go anywhere in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Some of us feel that we need to lose our accent to be able to be accepted mm-hmm. within the society, right? It happens, it happens. So we a change. Lot. <laughs> yeah. So we change the way we talk. We change the way we walk. It's like you know what I mean, and it's and it's problematic. And so for me, I think. When somebody hears me speak, they can say, "Oh, that's somebody from the Caribbean." And my accent gets thicker depending mm-hmm. on who i talk to. Thank you for right? that. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. And so I, 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 made a deliberate effort to not um, water down or lose my accent mm-hmm. in this, in when it comes to uh, cultural heritage. And so I wanted the music to also to to, to display that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I understand the jazz language. Yes, I play the mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. but. When I speak the English language, you could tell where I grew up.
0: Yeah, got you.
1: And so I wanted that to also be captured in the music.
0: Got you. Um, the next album, if I remember, was called Love. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yes.
0: Talk us through Love. That's how did you get to Love? So,
1: so with the so with the first album dealing with peace and love and St. and some of the themes in that album, um, ancestors, etc. Um, it was kind of like. You know, a mixture of, of, of different emotions, especially with the aggressive nature of, of, of some of the songs. And so the, the, one of the things I think about uh, with all the activists that I know, uh, especially the ones that are on the scene, in the spotlight all the time, mm-hmm. they forget to take care of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes when you are an activist, um, you give so much to the community that you deplete yourself as well as your family. And so I was thinking about one of the things that we need to be able to do or how we can encourage people to, to take an active role is from the idea of self-love, self-respect, determination, etc. And these things are important concepts to have if you want to create critical change within yourself or in a community. Um, so I was thinking about that concept when I was writing the music for love, and so on that album, there's a mixture of original poetry as well as these these songs um, or tunes to kind of capture that that um, that that, that uh, meaning and energy.
0: That was a progression, and as you said, in terms of themes and in the production value, but the one that stuck with me, I think, was elements of life, and that was the first. That's when I first got onto. Reginald Sinchi as a musician. Walk me through that one more time. Because that was so one it. that stuck with me.
1: So elements of Life, when I when I recorded that album, uh, one of the things I thought about, this is kind of an extension from the Love album, is mm-hmm. that when you have when you think about elements, you know, I like the idea of like the elements within us that we're all mm-hmm. made of stardust, right? And mm-hmm. so we have the elements within us and we have the elements around us. And so if well, the elements inside of us are out of balance, then if you have too much of fire, or too much of water mm-hmm. or too much wind, it's problematic, right? And the same thing with the elements that surround us. And so for us to be in balance, we got to make sure that we have enough, the right amount of each element for everything to be fine. Mm. And so that was the, kind of the concept behind that album was like, how do we balance these elements that, are, that got thrown off not only our, our being, but also our environment?
0: Well, up to that point of your first three albums, have you been, were you doing some touring at that point? Because as I said, you had, Elements of Life was my first hearing of you, and I loved it when I first heard it. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, this is music that needs to be heard widely. What was your touring schedule at that point, after that point?
1: You know, before recording my own albums, I used to do, you know, I used to be moving around a lot more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once I became a dad, uh, back in 2005, Mm -hmm. um, I I kind of limit my, uh, the amount of time that I go out. So I would go out for a week here, or maybe Mm -hmm. two weeks there, and come back, and i go out for long periods of time. Because I, you know, I, one, I like to, 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 um, say good night and good morning. I like hey, to eat breakfast and, and eat dinner, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to find out a balance between being a professional musician, mm-hmm. recording, and then still not being just out in the road constantly. And then, you know, one of the things that I like, um, uh, uh, you know, I always say that, you know, I'm, I'm chilling at home and somebody's listening to the music in South Africa. That's crazy, mm-hmm. you that. know. So. You know, so it's 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 cool. I mean, you know, finding a way to to, to get the music out there, but not necessarily being beat in the streets mm-hmm. um, all the time. Plus, the other thing is that when I started recording my albums, I was older. I was 35. So mm-hmm. it, 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 some of those things that sometimes you're offered to go on the tours to do, I'm mm-hmm. like, hmm. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go on a tour to do that, and I could make that money right here. Ah, oh, that's yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, you know. Well, uh, if the money ain't good, yeah. I hear you loud and clear.
1: Yeah, so
0: after elements of life, spiritual awakening, and I know I definitely did a review on that album because mm-hmm. the titles is what got me um the Beatitudes and, and prayer, I think when Atonement was one one of the mm-hmm. names that had stuck with me or anything. I remember saying that don't 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 misconstrue this album as being instrumental gospel. There was a kind of reconnection with a kind of higher spirit as it was, right? You were on the kind of on the ground as it was on the first three albums. Well, you were, your elements of life was getting up there, but once you got to spiritual um, awakening, you're okay. You're now in the heavens as it was. And um, what was your thought process in terms of making that leap from elements of life into spiritual awakening?
1: So I, I think one of the main things for me is that an elder said to me, um, not an older, but an elder, she said to me, she said, you know, um, before people could actually take action, they need to have some type of an awakening. They need to become aware of mm-hmm. what's going on. You know what I mean? It's like we have, we have so many black people in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the ideas of this idea of Pan-Africanism is that if we were able to unite in some way and see our common our Mm -hmm. commonality, the -hmm. things that we we share in common, we could really create something really powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the problem is is that not enough folks recognizing that connection and how we can come together to create this change. Mm -hmm. And so I did did this spiritual awakening. And then I I thought about the individual of having a spiritual awakening. What's that process? When you become aware of what's going on and what you need to do to go through this process until finally you achieve whatever that goal is. And so that album is a representation of not only the community becoming spiritually awakened, but also um, the individual.
0: Well, that uh, idea of awakening and that idea of collective movement and collective thought clearly comes from your follow up album, which was Rise of the Protester, if I remember clearly. Mm-hmm. And that, that spoke directly to, to people and to names that we know. Right. You did mention Queen Mary, I believe, before. She's a Virgin Island more than an activist, right? I think you spoke about Amiri Baraka, I think Malcolm mm-hmm. X is in there, the filmmaker. What's her name? Oh God. Help Ava Duvenet. Ava Duvernay, right? So mm-hmm. you were able to, to utilize these persons and kind of juxtapose their activism as it was. Tell mm-hmm. me about the, the the thought process behind Rise of the Protester. That was my so, opinion. Tell me, what is your
1: reality? I mean, that's that's it right there. It's the idea of, of um, we're all protesting, right? We're protesting mm. something, and so right, we're living in the Washington D.C. area. There's some march happening at some time about Always. some reason, right? Always, yeah. And so it's like you have people come. You have the women's march. You had the you had people march for social justice. You have stuff dealing with agriculture. You have you know all these different issues where people are speaking up, and there's a lot of activists and organizations within the area. Mm -hmm. And so you you have this energy, this collective energy of people saying, things are not right and we're going to do something about it. And one of the questions I I remember back in 2010, when I was going into different schools and speaking with students in the Virgin Islands about activism, how they could take an active role in creating change and try to find a way to, you know, saying, okay, yes, you're upset with the violence, but here's what you can do. Each one, teach one, reach one, et cetera. And so one of the things that stuck to me was the idea of somebody said to me, what can I do? And look what happened to all these activists. You know, Dr. King got assassinated, Malcolm X, etc. I said, those are only some of the popular mouthpieces that you've heard about. Mm-hmm. But activism is like all these different ways you could be an activist. You could be in litigation. You could be somebody that's teaching, dealing with education justice. You could use your vote. You know, there's so many ways you could be an activist. And so... One of the things I did on the album was to highlight different ways in which people are protesting. So mm-hmm. Tanahisi Coates using his pen or writing these books talking about history, Ava DuVernay changing the look of, of black people on camera because for so many time for many years Hollywood has painted a negative image of, of black folks. Black people just yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and that's a very powerful tool. When you have mm-hmm. these images coming into your home saying these people are dangerous. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. travel the world and like you have people like if you're not like a celebrity you travel the world people look at you sideways like hmm, who's this you know what I mean and so that's very problematic and so now she's using her lens to change that narrative you know we have it starts with the album starts with Aramenta which is the birth name of Harriet Tubman and what mm-hmm. she did not only she was she free slaves, but she went back and joined the government and mm-hmm. became a spy and, and helped change it you know some folks would argue the the, the trajectory of the north Mm-hmm. And helping them, you know, win the eventual win the, battle. Win
0: the war, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and so you know, you have all these powerful people, and and some there were some other folks like I mentioned, you know, Ida B. Wells and mm-hmm. Dr. T. Hyde. And so you know, have you have all these powerful women throughout time that have done stuff not only in the United States but in Brazil, all throughout the Caribbean, all mm-hmm. around the world. All these strong, powerful Black women, right? And um, and so that album just dealt with not only the feeling of what it feels like to be dealing with um, activism and protesting, but the different ways that you protest. And the idea of how people are not um, satisfied because you can't have peace without justice. And that's what one of the songs in the album, No Justice, No Peace. No Justice, No right? Peace, so, yeah. I say like people are like, oh, man, why you all can't be peaceful? What's wrong with peace? Uh, people just want justice, not justice yeah. for some. The want justice, justice so, yes. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like some people say it's like there's levels of 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 the stuff you have you have equality, then you have equity, right? Mm -hmm. And then the very top of it is justice. You know, and Mm -hmm. so and so there's the idea. So some people don't want to get to that that thing. And so the album kind of dealt with these different topics around, you know, Mm -hmm. protesting.
0: It dealt with it well. Keep going if you're gonna Mm -hmm. finish up the sentence. Oh no,
1: no, no, no Mm -hmm. problem. I was just gonna say that in the on the album cover there's a pool. That the tears are dropping into, and and inside that pool are there these different, different images of what people are protesting. You know, so every image represents like a different type of, mm-hmm. of issue that people are, are, are upset about, and they're rising up and organizing and mobilizing to deal with those issues.
0: Who does your art? Work? Because as I said, there's a kind of similarity among the whole series of albums covers. Mm-hmm. One artist. Well,
1: yeah, you're the same artist every time. And mm-hmm. so one of the things I like to do is, is the idea of the, of, of having the visual message, mm-hmm. the, 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 um, the musical message and also the written message to all going together to make sure that folks receive the, mm-hmm. the, the intent behind, you know, the creation of the music. And so I've been using this guy named Ricardo Levins Morales. Mm-hmm. He's actually from Puerto Rico. Yes. And So if you look at the artwork, you could tell that there's some Caribbean stuff i, I, I saw way, it right away you know, i saw it yeah I saw it's
0: a caribbean so, artist know, mm.
1: and he's a social justice artist so not only he's from um mm. the caribbean but mm. he deals with social justice issues with his artwork so you know we've been working together since the first album mm. so every album you have like a similar type of vibe you can see like they're like a connection between the, each album you know I, visually I, and sonically
0: I, I did notice that. So as I said, that will bring us right back up to healing. And we already spoke about healing at the beginning of this podcast. But um mm-hmm. critically, in terms of the evolution of the musical combo as it was, as I said, Healing of is a basically a duo album. I mm-hmm. remember Spiritual Awakening had a voice. Um one of them had poetry. Remind me which one it mm-hmm. was. Um that was a and, love, album. love album. And uh mm-hmm. it's it's a quintet, it's a quintet or quartet to use. Oh, Sex ed.
1: It varies. So, like sometimes so the al- the instruments in the album, they like there's meaning behind the instruments, and sometimes I, I'm like really overt with the meaning, and sometimes I just will be real subtle. Mm-hmm. So for the first album, you had the the, the marimba mm-hmm. and the vibraphone you had the steel fan, mm-hmm. and you had the drums, and then you had the uh, some African percussion and, mm-hmm. and and bass. You didn't have a piano, you didn't have like a normal chordal instrument involved. And the reason for that was that the trouble represented the conch shell. Right. So if you think of like people going off the battle, mm-hmm. one of the things you use is a horn to let the mm-hmm. people know that you're about after after battle. And there's yeah. you know the symbols dealing with that. And mm-hmm. then the, the xylophone or the marimba represented the balaphone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you think of some of our traditional music you had a balafone um mm-hmm. in there. And then the steel pen is like the, the Caribbean version of of taking this West African drumming Mm-hmm. And then and then, you know, creating something new, this new invention in the Western Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And of course, the African percussion and the drums. And mm-hmm. then on, on there, you had the the one of my um good friends, uh Tolson. He sang on the song Peace and Love. He plays percussion on there as well, but he's from Nigeria. He always called me a, a, a the Caribbean Nigerian because of how I dress <laughs> and, and talk. It's like hey, hey amen. <laughs> Are you sure you're not from Nigeria? It's like no. Nah, not this. You know? world. Yeah. 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 So but yeah, so each album there's a there's a reason for the instrumentation. So that's like sometimes overt or subtle of mm-hmm. why the instrumentation is is is, is 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 that particular setup for that album. It's mm-hmm. to kind of capture, it's to kind of like add a little subtlety to like the meaning of behind the music. So mm-hmm. this instrumentation changes slightly. Mm-hmm. And so for example, like that was instrumentation on on the um Freedom's children but on a love album then you had the two voice you had the, the the two voices and you had the mm-hmm. poet you had one voice to start the album and mm-hmm. she's kind of like singing the poetry as well as going between talking and singing mm-hmm. and then you had the next voice that ends the album and then you had the the two voices on the on the whole poem that were kind of mm-hmm. going in and out mm-hmm. and so like there's like a reason for that instrumentation on that album mm-hmm. and then on uh, elements of life you have a different instrumentation. Sometimes mm-hmm. some 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 similar musicians, but then there's, there might be a subtle difference in the in the, um in the ensemble. And then spiritual awakening, that's a that's a that was a different um ensemble. And then with rise of the protester, you cut down to this quartet with a trombone and a saxophone and bass and drums to have yeah. complete freedom, yeah. right? And so that's mm-hmm. the reason for that. So like to have complete freedom within no harmonic um mm-hmm. uh, uh, restrictions. It's just like Rah! Yeah. You know what I mean? I and then you. with the, the Healing album, you have this duet to represent this conversation between two people.
0: This is genius stuff here, man. I love it. I love that. The, you, the, as I said, the thought process, intelligent engagement with the music was the phrase that I'd used. And I was thinking about the ideas that seemingly went into the creation of these albums in terms of your themes going all the way through. Mm-hmm. But, um, clearly there's something deeper that you're thinking about the activism. I'm not going to lie to you. I probably missed that in terms of the interpretation. And I'm happy mm-hmm. that I'm able to speak to you about this because I missed the, the, the activism aspect of your composition thought process. And I was just thinking about emotions. And as I said, these seems that all went all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I didn't ask this question, but let me just ask you now. Um, do you, yes. you continue to plan to
1: make recordings. Is that part and parcel of? Yeah, but I think for me, I think what usually happens is that, um, is that when 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 I compose tunes, it's like something like triggers in me. You know, I mean, like right now, it's 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 like a nag. It's like you know, you you just carrying on what you're doing, and then all of a sudden, you have these concept in your head. It's like, no, not now. I'm busy, and it just keeps ringing in your ah. And then eventually, <laughs> I sit down and write. Yeah. So I think you know, like right now, what's been what's been fascinating me. Uh-huh. Um, and it's funny because I just released an album, and this thing is in my head. So i will probably be yeah. composing some new tunes too. But like right now, what's been fascinating me is the idea of wonder, right? The idea of this, this, this—you know—how we lose inspiration, mm-hmm. and how do you like, you know, plant that back? What do you do to 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 put back inside a human spirit this mm-hmm. this this this, no, this notion of wonder? Yeah, you know because i was thinking about the, the the pandemic and how people are you know even with everything i mean we yes we all got to deal with with struggles with musicians losing gigs i mean i've lost like gigs all the way into 2021 mm-hmm. but one of the things that we, we we can't lose sight of is our inspiration what what keeps us going what inspires us mm-hmm. you know and so that's been that kind of theme has been ringing in my head so to answer your question i think yeah i'm <laughs> probably won't be stopping recording anytime soon because with these music, the stuff coming to my head all the time, I'll will it'll marinate for a while and then I'll sit down to the piano and compose some more music.
0: Do you compose on a piano or or, or exclusively? Yeah, I trombone. compose
1: on the piano. Because oh, okay. you see the trombone, I have a lot of technique in the trombone. And mm-hmm. so I don't want I don't want the the intellect of playing the instrument go into the to the the purity of creating a composition. I want it to be just the melody and the melody to stand by itself not with me saying oh look what i can do on the trombone in the melody like i want the melodies to be able to to speak for themselves you mm. know on whatever the, the message is you know whatever the message is i wanted to come up strong in the melody but with composing in the trombone i can get I, it can start getting technical so I, I put it down like no i don't want it to you know and i said compose on the piano so it can be the melody and the chords or the line or whatever it is that goes into creating the the, the song. And usually, what comes to me is like the melody, and then I, you know, um, then the harmony.
0: I want to ask you some questions, kind of kind of out of left field, like me or me not? Well, hopefully, you'll answer them at times. What's about this mm-hmm. whole notion of Caribbeanness, right? As you said, mm-hmm. you you've retained your accent, right? Mm-hmm. You're a Pan-African. You're the Nigerian Caribbean Nigerian man <laughs> in the DC, right? Do you do you see your music? can it be classified as Caribbean jazz? Or do you think there's a thing called Caribbean jazz just from your perspective?
1: I think so. I mean, just the same way we might say Afro-Caribbean, you know what I mean? I think Mm. our cultural heritage is different and Mm. it's not a bad thing. It's not that it's it's not bad that it's different. It's just, Mm. we have a different cultural heritage. You know, my upbringing Mm. is different. I mean, I grew up in a place where I saw, um, you know, people dressing a certain way, talking a certain way, a market square, and there's still, there's just the, just the huge similarities between the African countries and Caribbean islands yeah. and seeing that similarities when you travel throughout the Caribbean, like, mm. whoa, this is like, I, you know, yes, I know I'm here, but it still mm. feels like I'm over here because it's mm. so similar. Right. Mm. And that's a different vibe than what Africans experience here in the United States. I let's said that. And so. You know, and, and but there's a connection because we have the Marcus Garveys, we have others who came from the Caribbean and, and, mm-hmm. and affected, you know, the, the um the, the politics here mm-hmm. um in the United States. But that cultural heritage at home is not something that I that I take for granted. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the music should sound like I grew up in the in the United in States. New York. Or Kansas. I mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I didn't, you know, I, and mm-hmm. so I have respect for the music, and I play the music in a way where, you know, on each album, you might hear a combination of me playing some straight-ahead jazz, and then mm-hmm. me playing some calypso and some reggae. But mm-hmm. you will hear calypso, you will hear reggae, and mm-hmm. it might be two or three calypsos and there, two, two mm-hmm. or three reggae's. and they might be overt, or they might be subtle, but they'll be there. For example, Favorite. on this album, mm-hmm. you have communication as a reggae and mm-hmm. acceptance as a reggae, but acceptance is like a reggae but it's like a reggae, think God reggae kind of thing, mm. and then communications are reggae where because it's a piano and a trombone, you mm. if you listen close, you're like, oh, that's just that's you know What I mean? Mm. That's, a, that's that's that vibe. You're the, you know, like you could hear the calypso between the mm. the calypso and motivation or the calypso and magnetism. They're mm. different, but you could still hear the vibe there. You know, it, it's always there.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing calypso on the Rise of the Protest album because I, mm. I I when I did the review for that album. Admittedly, I, I listened to it probably twice the album all the way through twice. Mm-hmm. And as you rightly said, because it was just trumpet, trombone, saxophone, and there, there was it was you, you said rah, rah, ra, but there was no. Mm-hmm. I wasn't get, I wasn't getting that kind of Caribbeanness. That seemed that to me, sound like oh, this is an African American playing jazz. More power to him, mm-hmm. right? But then of course, hearing it again, I said, oh, they, what am I listening? Am, am I blind, deaf, and dumb? Because there was uh, two particular songs. The names escaping me, but I'll, I'll I'll stick it in for for um, reference. There were two mm-hmm. songs that gave that gave me that kind of Caribbean feel, and I did reference it in my review.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I know that mm-hmm. you have never you have never drifted far away from your Caribbean heritage. And who you are as a Caribbean person, mm-hmm. even if living in America, living in the Americas, mm-hmm. as it was well, i 'm happy to know that because I think that is something that listeners want to to get and as I said, we hit up city down in the southern Caribbean we haven 't been able to get our hands on a lot of the music, so before um we wrap up this thing not too long from now, give me some mm-hmm. of your contacts, your socials, your website, where I can get your music and then, because that 's important for people to know
1: sure so um uh, so I have my website, reginalcinchy.com. Mm-hmm. Then there's also, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on Facebook is uh, the Sinchi music. On mm-hmm. Instagram is Sinchi music. Mm-hmm. On Twitter is just Sinchi, So twitter.com slash Sinchi. Mm-hmm. So you can find me anyway. And so with the music, you can find it on my website. So if you go to my website, you could click and get the album, and they'll give you not only getting it from the artist, but mm-hmm. then you can also get it from you know some of the popular retailers. And then mm-hmm. also it's on Spotify and YouTube and Just Apple. Everywhere, music. everywhere in the digital Every,
0: domain. Gotcha.
1: Everywhere that the music is available, my, my stuff is there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something I as when I looked at the when I when you releases your final album, your most recent album, and I mm-hmm. saw the connection, certainly in terms of the the image of all six albums. I thought to myself, this man needs to put out a box set, like a big you know, twelve by twelve box set <laughs> mm-hmm. with a book and video. Because, as I said, you're writing in terms of your liner notes, and I know that you write your liner notes, was very interesting reading. As I said, it's cerebral almost, mm-hmm. but no, no, it is cerebral. Let's not, let's not, um bring it down, but for for an audience or for an audience member to just get a hold of it. Just tell them because there's a range of music that I've heard right, in terms of your style, in terms of your message, in terms of your instrumentation, and and if it's 2011 to 2020, nine years, six albums. That's that's pretty good going, mm-hmm. and um, and it's consistent. I, I I still want to come back to this other element about how hard it is or how difficult it is for Caribbean musicians in the United States of America because I'm sure that you know and everybody knows that you're now competing with hundreds, if not thousands of musicians, right? Mm -hmm. The trombone is a unique instrument as you discovered since you were a kid. So there are not many trombone led jazz performers, not many. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that you're the only one in terms of your success, in terms of breaking out of certain niche markets and things, how is that? because I come back to this idea of touring, how has that Mm -hmm. benefited you or made you aware that, okay, we need to put him on our our, um, festival because we need a trombonist. Is that a thing that happens?
1: No, for me, it's been more so the idea of not being afraid to be myself, you know. Um, And so early on, I knew the situation for trombone. You know, Mm -hmm. in fact, some of my um, older colleagues from the Virgin Islands were like, oh, man, you practice a lot. You should have played saxophone or trumpet. Then you'd have been doing a lot more stuff. Because in reality, um, the trombone is like the musical equivalent of being black in America. <laughs>
0: if, if, <laughs> Reginald Sinch. no,
1: you know <laughs> no. it is because it's if you, you if you look at the history of the music, so you look at the history of jazz. Mm-hmm. The trombone is all there the whole time, mm-hmm. but it never gets its due. It's there the whole time from the beginning. From the beginning, it's right true. there, yes,
0: that's right, right,
1: true. From, right there, and so it's like it's there, you know, during New Orleans jazz. It's there mm-hmm. even when when the instruments were dropped off from mm-hmm. when they were like. The, the South lost the wall and they mm-hmm. were like, we're going to just turn and put these instruments in a pawn shop.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: it was there from the, you know, when the instrument, of the music was formulating, mm-hmm. you know, then you had the, the, the you know, the, the, uh, New Orleans stuff happening with the collective mm-hmm. improvisation. The trombone was there, but mm-hmm. not enough, not, not the main instrument mm-hmm. in the thirties. The trombone was there in the big bands, not the main instrument in the forties. The trombone was there during bebop, not the main instrument. The trombone was there during bop not the main instrument. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yes, we see the trombone involving jazz, but know your role. Mm. That's the vibe. Right. And so the first thing is that I'm not going to play the trombone like because sometimes what, what happens with, I'm not going to say anybody's name. But sometimes what happens with the trombone, folks need to have some kind of gimmick, some kind of thing that they do in mm-hmm. addition to the trombone to be recognized. I play the trombone, but I also do this mm-hmm. show thing. That's like interesting, so pay attention, right? <laughs> I I so know I like
0: I know a musician who does <laughs> things like that, but we won't call names.
1: <laughs> Sounds like nope, that's not me. Mm-hmm. And so earlier on, I recognized that okay, regardless of how I play an instrument, mm-hmm. it's gonna folks gonna still look at the instrument a certain way because of historical reasons. Yes, and so I had to be comfortable with that and with that history. Mm-hmm. And then right away, then decide okay, how am I gonna move forward? So as I was getting. On the scene in the DC area, at the same time, I started my, do, doing my gigs mm-hmm. as a leader because I was like, okay, if I want to work, mm-hmm. I can't depend on these musicians to hire me. Mm-hmm. One, I didn't grow up in this area, so I don't have that, you know, I don't have the nepotism thing. I don't have the friend thing. I don't have the hookup thing. Yeah. I'm a stranger in this land, so I need to find a way to, to navigate my path. And yes. I play a very unpopular instrument. So I started doing my own gigs early on mm-hmm. and building a name for myself, building a mailing list, building a support system, not worrying about the large, larger you know, population, but mostly thinking along the lines of like, you know, blossom w- where you live, mm. you know? And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna just build support system, build support system, and I could count on supporters to the point where sometimes before pre-COVID, maybe post-COVID as well, that I could go and do like a series of concerts mm. in, in 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 a, a particular region mm. and folks would follow me mm. while I'm doing those concerts, right? And so I'm not necessarily worried about saying I need to get everybody to know what I'm doing. Mm. But if I have a support system, I'm good. And so that's what helped me along the way with just having a support system and mm. just being comfortable with the fact that it's okay if everybody don't dig what I'm doing, that's fine. And then eventually, over time, more folks started learning and folks started asking me to do stuff and then being consistent and growing mm-hmm. and learning and 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 being an apprentice in situations and learning from elders mm-hmm. and still recognizing that, yes, you still play trombone. So learn the information, but you still trombone. Learn the history, but you still play trombone, et cetera. And build, 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 build. build. And that's what I'm still doing today, just building and, and learning and growing. And that's uh-huh. what and that's what worked. but you know the other thing with the to your point about being a Caribbean mus- musician um in the United States mm-hmm. it is tough from a from another s- s- um, uh, uh, situation so it. we play with an accent when we get here you play calypso right and we play mm-hmm. reggae and so that phrasing is different mm-hmm. than say playing swing and mm-hmm. so one of the things you have to learn how to do is not lose your Caribbean uh your cultural heritage but at the same time still Play the music within the style of the music, right? Mm-hmm. So you still you have some of yourself, but you say, Here's some of myself, but I understand the historical relevance and I know how to groove within this music. So I'm along the lines of a Sonny Rollins. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to Sonny Rollins play ten of madness, mm-hmm. in his solo, he goes like beep boo beep beep beep, ski pee-bee That's like a calpical rhythm. But yeah. he's playing that under with under, over a swing, mm-hmm. right? Over his, his ten of madness solo. So mm-hmm. with, with learning from, from some of these elders that play the music, this didn't negate their cultural heritage. And even son Sonny Ronson, not born in the Caribbean, his, 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 his family's parents. Yeah. yeah. His family's from, from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And so he, hearing the music, found a way to marriage the two, right? It was like, okay, here's my cultural heritage. Here's mm-hmm. this jazz music. I like, let me put them together. And that's how his thematic and his melodic inventions come from is you could hear all these calypso rap melodies seeping through his music. And so be, finding these, these examples of folks really comfortable with themselves helped me to be comfortable with myself. And so once I learned that and understood that, then I just do the thing. Yeah. Hey,
0: I love that. I love that. Um, of course, Sunny's most famous song, certainly for a lot of people at St. Thomas, which was like an old Virgin Islands tune. If I remember clearly, mm, right. That's there, correct, yeah. there's, there's another song is Funji Mama. Is that another Virgin Island song or is that a composition?
1: I think Fuji Mama is from. um, I think that's. I think that's I gotta
0: double check. Yeah. I don't think
1: it's from. Yeah. yeah, It is. It's a Caribbean
0: song, if I remember correctly. Um. Mm -hmm. There's one other thing that I'm. This is just me. Gotta riffing off at the top of my head. We talked about West Indians with our accent in terms of. I remember Mm -hmm. calling Etienne Charles. He's a jazz Mm -hmm. musician. Jazz with a West Indian accent, right? That's what he plays. Mm -hmm. And there was something I remember reading in Duke Ellington's book. Well, a copy of it, I should say about mm-hmm. some of his early musicians who came from the Caribbean and they had a unique flavor that they put into the music. And just as you described that there was a particular trumpeter, Nance, I believe something Nance was his name. And he said mm-hmm. he had that West Indian thing down and that was so important. And it added a certain flavor to his music as it was. So the idea of jazz with a West Indian accent is something that I'm happy that somebody can confirm and mm-hmm. because it's, it was an idea that I just looked nice when I was writing a, on a, a magazine article I did about Etienne. But I'm glad that it, that is an actual thing because I thought it was more mm-hmm. of a, a philosophical, more of a thought thing. But um, you're quite right because certainly our our horn musicians here in Trinidad trumpet, trombone, we have, and brass, our brass bands as well. Mm-hmm. The technique is, well, you, I'm sure you've heard them. It's, it's not what, it's not jazz at Lincoln Center orchestra quality um, songs. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's also that slight phrasing, that slight delay, kind of just off the beat kind of thing that mm-hmm. you, you the Americans, it's written this way, you play it that way. Yes, you could swing, you could just drop it a half a beat, but we in Trinidad mm-hmm. will drop it a, a three quarter of a beat or some kind of because we understand mm-hmm. how these things operate. And, you, mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're quite right about describing this idea of jazz with a West Indian accent. So for, thank you for bringing that up because and now I know. I <laughs> know. I did not yeah, know the time. Yeah, because I mean, mm.
2: you
1: you you can't you can't write down cultural heritage. I mean, you can try to uh, to to notate it and a sheet music or whatever, but mm-hmm. you have to have a lived experience. You know, you have to know. It's like it was funny one time. I was uh I was uh, on a trip with a Howard Ensemble, mm-hmm. um, to the Virgin Islands, and um, we went to this high school, mm-hmm. and the band played uh, a calypso, right? So the band played mm-hmm. St. Thomas or whatever, an arrangement of St. Thomas. Yeah. And the guy playing drums is a great drummer, you know what I mean? Excellent mm-hmm. drummer. But mm-hmm. if the vibe wasn't fully there, it was like this mm-hmm. Americanized, you know, Americana version of, of Calypso. Yeah, 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 yeah. And these kids started mm-hmm. playing the Calypso. Mm-hmm. And you right away could you tell the difference. the difference. You could tell the yeah. difference right away. Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's like the lived experience of being grown up in a in the cultural heritage. It's like when we talk, you can hear our history in our voice. You can hear the Uh history in in the things that we say. And so I think the same thing goes with music. It's like you can't, you can't fake that, you know? And I think it's, and I think for whenever I meet musicians from home, I would say, don't, don't, don't try to water that down. Yeah. Be real. Because I hear you. Yeah. But that's the other thing too, because in this world where you have artificial intelligence, And You have people creating computers to try to to play music and you have Mm -hmm. people, you know, trying to find a way to sound like Mm -hmm. each other because that's the Mm -hmm. music industry now, especially in jazz, where people will be like, oh, man, that person reminds me of Freddie Hubbard or that person Mm -hmm. reminds me of such and such, you know, to have something that is uniquely you or uniquely part of your cultural heritage Mm -hmm. is so important for Mm -hmm. the listener. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so I tell musicians, don't be afraid to be yourself in the music.
0: Yeah. Um. The other thing you talk about, a, a a support group and a kind of connection. I'm aware that there are a number of Virgin Island musicians, Ron Blake, Victor Provost, Ruben Rogers, mm-hmm. um, who out there on the East Coast and Dion Parsons. Um. Mm-hmm. Are you? Are you? Do you hang with those guys? I know Victor has performed on your albums and thing.
1: Yeah. So probably more so with Victor. So Dion and Ron Blake they're older than me. Uh-huh. And So they're like, you know, they were mentors to me as a, mm-hmm. as a young kid, okay. but I didn't play a lot with them. I mean, I played with them in a 21st century band. I was in well, that band You, a you were
0: part of that band. Do, I went yeah, to I was a part, Yeah.
1: Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I recorded uh, a couple albums with them mm-hmm. and played at, at Dizzy's when they had that, you know, when they used to do that thing at Dizzy's every year, mm-hmm. I've done a few concerts um, with that, but as far as playing with them extensively, um, no, I didn't play mm. even when I lived in New York, I was I was I was do I was paying the dues in a different way. You know, when mm. I got to New York, it wasn't like Deanna and Ron Blake hooked me up with opportunities. Mm. I was I was there like You're I working. knew nobody in New York. Yeah. <laughs> You're just right?
0: Yeah, just looking. Yeah.
1: Um Ruben is older than me as well. And mm. um, you know, I probably played with Ruben more so when we were kids, or mm. when he was, you know, because he's a little older than me. Mm. But when I came to the DC area or even New York majority of the stuff that I did was um, was like somebody dropped me in the middle of the jungle in Tokyo
2: mm.
1: uh, not even in the city like outside the city in Japan somewhere mm-hmm. and I have to find my way to Tokyo mm-hmm. just with with you know connections that I made you know um, mm. and and that kind of that kind of you know not and, and it wasn't a negative thing it was kind of a good way where I was able to kind of like develop um my network or my support system outside of that. You know what I mean? Where it wasn't like, it was like, I went to New York or I went somewhere and then Ron Blake hooked me up with this and Dion hooked me up with that. Ruben hooked me up with that. It was more so like I was able to develop my thing separate from them. From them. I got but not you. not, but being aware and, and, and you know, knowing that they're older than me and knowing that, mm. you know, I was mentored, but, you know, Mm-hmm. You know where they, they used to come back to the Virgin Islands and give workshops. Yes, I know that. Dion you know, does that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, but you know, as far as like spend a lot of time um, performing with them, I didn't. I didn't necessarily do that, with the exception yes. of when I was playing in the twenty first century. Twenty first.
0: Got you. Yeah. Well, um, finally, I think of course I have to mention that you're also an educator, right? So you learned. For you, your, your, your apprentices musicians back in the day. And now it's your turn to give back as a, each one, teach one, reach one, as you said. So mm-hmm. that, um, give us a little bit of your, of your story as a teacher, as a educator now. No? So you understand. Sure. Um, role.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it actually started when I was 15. So wow. when my, um, my, my private instructor saw that I was getting into jazz. Yes. And so what he did, he said, I don't play jazz, but I have some students that want to learn how to play jazz. Mm-hmm. So he sent some of his younger students to come study with me. Mm-hmm. So some of my first students were like a year, two years younger than me. Okay. Um, and then I started learning. So that's why I started learning how to teach by mm-hmm. by getting some students from my private instructor and started working with them. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I think I was in high school, maybe a junior or, or, or a senior in high school. And my middle school band director would invite me back to the middle school to conduct the the, the concert band. Mm-hmm. And so then I started like learning that type of teaching by going back and working with, with those students. And every summer I would then also teach at this, which, which, there was this summer program, which was known as like this, you could teach through a band program and they will mm-hmm. pay you like a a, a, a you know, a fee, mm-hmm. you know, every two weeks for working with students at band program. So mm-hmm. I was doing these summer band programs the same way I met my my private instructor. I was yes. now that instructor for those programs, uh-huh. and then so fast forward some years later, I started when I first moved to DC area. This uh, this Elden area by the name of Michael Bowie hooked me up with um, this place called Fillmore Arts. Uh-huh. I think that's the name of them. And so basically, at the time, DC PS with DC Public School would bu- bus all the students in from different schools in the area to come uh-huh. study music at this one little art center, uh-huh. and I was. Teaching or subbing for Michael Bowie, working with these young students, and so I spent a lot of different years working with different students, etc. And then eventually, I started teaching on the college level at Montgomery College, while uh, we, you know teaching jazz history, American popular music history, jazz composition, uh, theory classes, trombone studies, etc. And then after that, in addition to doing that, I started working at the other um, college known as Prince George's County. Uh, community college. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, teaching music technology and trombone studies there and music appreciation. Mm-hmm. And then um, some years later, um, the this the, this uh, elder by the name of David Yarbrough, mm-hmm. he was retired from his progress, uh, position at Duke Ellington School of the Arts. And he was looking for someone to take his place. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I want you to take my place as a new director of jazz studies at Ducalent school of the arts. So now in addition to everything else I was doing, I'm now also the director of, of jazz studies at Ducan school of the arts. So I'm the, yeah.
0: The man is everything. That's what we need. <laughs> Caribbean musicians making a name for themselves all over the world. Um, mm. Well, Reginald, certainly I'd like to thank you for this, um, for restarting the podcast as it were talking to Caribbean jazz musicians all over the world. And you're an ambassador. I appreciate you for that. And I'm sure all the listeners will do that too. Hopefully they'll go out and buy your music. It's As you said, it's available on all the platforms, all the digital platforms. Mm-hmm. And it's Reginald Stinchy, C-Y-N-T-J-E, Lunet, it's a new word, it's Dutch, Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I, as I said, I want to thank you very much for being here with me tonight and having a conversation, this Island Jazz Chat. So thank you very much for this. I appreciate you for having me. Wonderful, wonderful. Island Jazz Chat has been a production of Jazz in the Islands magazine powered by iradio.tt